Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us on this Monday. Busy, busy day so far. Let's get right to one of the major stories of the day. And as you've likely been watching and hearing in the news, a giant fire in New Westminster happened last night. Some of the footage just breathtaking, looking at the pier and the amount of damage to that part of the city. Joining me with the very latest on this is the mayor of New Westminster, Jonathan Cote. Mayor, thank you so much for being with us. No, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I know you've been down in that area today. So what does it look like right now? Yeah, well, it uh, it does look better than it did last night uh, when uh, when the fire was in, in full blaze. But uh, the the wooden pier structure is uh, is still on fire, but it is now contained uh, uh, to the old pier structure. The, the fire the fire department has been able to to contain it. And as far as the damage, is it? Are you able? Obviously, you can see some of the damage, but with it being under the pier like that as well, do we know how much damage there is? Well, uh, we, we don't. Um, but uh, based on on what we've seen with with the fire, the the old wooden structure, we don't think that there's going to be any chance that it's going to be salvageable. That uh, that that part of uh, Pier Park uh, will have to be fully removed. And the park itself, as far as I know, a lot of people have been talking today about how much they enjoyed that area and the new art installation and a place to walk and such. How, uh, For people that maybe aren't familiar with the area, can you kind of explain the, the measure of the loss, how much uh, has been lost by this? Yeah, well, you know, I think Pier Park is uh, is definitely one of the hearts of our, our community in, in New Westminster. It's, it's one of our two two city parks, and uh, uh, and really is a is a background uh, backyard to our you know the urban downtown of uh, of, of New Westminster there. So, uh, you know, I think uh, there's there's a lot of sadness and, and shock in the community uh, last night and, and this morning uh, realizing what's what's happened. I do have to give a lot of credit to to the fire department, uh, both the New West Fire Department and the other agencies, though, for helping contain the fire because uh, there is still a, a large part of the new section of the, of the park that, that is going to be saved from this fire, which I think is really important. Uh, and certainly we saw that, uh, as you mentioned, fire departments in the surrounding areas coming in to help out, uh, people helping, getting out of the way. Uh, what is the, the warning right now as far as we were already dealing with very smoky air from fires in the United States? I understand with the actual material of what was burning in this fire, that's also a bit of an issue for what people are breathing in today. Yeah, you know, I, I think we are already facing uh, air quality issues in, uh, in 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 the region, but uh, particularly near near the park and in downtown New Westminster, uh, the the air quality is is very poor. So uh, we are definitely recommending people to to stay away from from the area, and if you are in the area, do uh, do stay indoors and, and close all of your windows. And, and at this point, do we have any idea the cause? Yeah, no. Both uh, both the New West Police Department and the Fire Department are are investigating the cause, but it, at this time, it's uh, it's too premature to to make any speculation about what what started the fire. Do you know if there was work being done, or if there would have been anything that can be looked at as a possibility at this point? Not not that I'm aware of uh, regarding any kind of construction work that that uh, may have been been caused uh, been the cause of this fire. So right now, uh, really completely unknown what uh, what the cause of this fire was. Was there anything in the area as far as do you know? Has this area been attracting people, say vandals or people that have been perhaps camping out there in the past? You know, I think the the riverfront sometimes does have uh, have. 
have some camps, uh, but uh, this particular area and uh, part of the park wasn't uh, wasn't a major area of concern. So at this point, uh, you know, I don't think it would be uh, a good idea to, to speculate. Uh, when we when we kind of know better what the damage is and uh, what's been left after this fire, what kind of a task do you anticipate will be as far as rebuilding? Yeah, well, you know, our, our first priority is obviously putting out, out the fire and then trying to mitigate any of the environmental damages that uh, the fire of, of a wooden pier, old wooden pier structure might might have. Uh, you know, I think uh, this has certainly become uh, an important public space in our, our community. And uh, although this is, is devastating, uh, you know, we are, we are a resilient community in New Westminster. And I know we will be able to to, to rebuild uh, this, uh, this important public space. It seems like it wasn't that long ago uh, that there was another major fire in New Westminster. Uh, and, and not to suggest that they're related in any way, but it is just so devastating when you see not only a bit of history, and in this case, uh, a relatively new park, but to see a part of this oldest city going up in flames. Yeah, well, you know, we we are an older older community, and uh, you know, I think uh, whether it's it's older structures or in this case, a, a you know, a really old wooden wooden pier structure, uh, there there are greater greater risks there, and uh, you know, I think that's. Uh, Sometimes why you see some of these uh, these incidents might happen in an older community as, as opposed to a more newer one. So do you think it will look different? And again, this might be jumping ahead far too much uh, into the future, but will it look different once once things are rebuilt? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think we... we the, the part of the park that has survived is is the new part of uh, Pier Park with uh, with with new piers there, and uh, you know I, I think uh, definitely extending extending that. But the features that are going to be lost are, are kind of the urban beach, the volleyball courts, and uh, those have been incredibly well used uh, facilities. So I would think we would want to be looking at uh, similar types types of amenities. But we're not we're not at that uh, that point yet. Uh, you know I think we need to put out the fire and deal with the immediate issues before we can we enter those those conversations about how do we rebuild. And at this point, are there any businesses that remain closed or, or what is the area like? I know people are being asked to stay away from that area now, but are, are there any businesses or anything else being impacted right now? Yeah, n- not uh, not specifically, but I do know Front Street is uh, is closed uh, is there, and, and obviously that is an important artery. So we are directing traffic to, to go through Columbia and, and Royal Avenue to, to, get, uh, to get through the area. All right. And I suppose the good news, again, uh, it's devastating for people to look at this and and to see uh, just this amount of damage caused by a fire. But the good news, it seems at this point, um, there were no injuries, uh, no loss of life, nothing like that. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's definitely heartbreaking to see, uh, you know, an important uh, park like this, uh, you know, suffer suffer a fire. But we are so thankful that it, it doesn't look like anyone has uh, has been harmed because of this fire. And, uh, you know, this is something we'll be able to, to rebuild and, and regroup. All right. And Mayor, just just before I let you go, uh, because we are dealing with the smoke, the smoky conditions as well. Um, what are you telling residents about that? How bad is it in New Westminster as far as air quality right now? Yeah, well, you know, I think air quality is, is poor across the region, but uh, particularly uh, the closer you get to, to the fire site, which is still an active active fire site, uh, the air quality is, is even worse. So, uh, you know, we're definitely calling on uh, on, on all people to, uh, to to stay away from, from the area. And if you are in, in downtown New Westminster, uh, make sure you're staying indoors. All right, Mayor Cote, thank you so much. I know it's been a very, very busy uh, morning for you today, but thank you so much for bringing us up to date. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. 
So a lot of speculation, as you've been hearing, about whether or not there is going to be an election call probably within the next few days here in B.C. Richard Zussman, Global B.C. online journalist based in Victoria, tried to get a yes or no answer from the Premier <laughs> uh, earlier today. Richard joins me now. It was a great effort. Ooh. You and Rob Shaw both trying to get a yes or a no. The fact that there isn't a no is what I think is fueling the fire. He could shut it down with one word, but he's not. Yeah, he's not. And there's a lot of play here. So you mentioned the next few days. You'd have to expand, expand, I think, that definition of few. I think Premier Horgan wants to get through his UBCM speech, which will be a week from this Friday. So uh, if math serves me well, 12 days from now or so, um, I think he needs that speech in order to send a message to the municipal leaders who he will rely on during this campaign to help him get reelected that if there's going to be a call it will be after he makes that speech but there's a really really tight window as you mentioned and he isn't ruling it out uh not to correct you but it was rob buffham from uh, ctv vancouver island who asked the question not rob shaw oh, but, okay but rob buffham first asked him uh you know what uh, are you considering an election? Would an answer. And then I asked him, have you made up your mind about whether you're comfortable with an election? And again, he wouldn't answer. So I know from people that I have spoken to, Jill, he has made the decision that he is ready for an election. And what he is looking at, Premier Horgan is, are three different things. Cases of COVID-19, hospitalizations linked to COVID-19, and potential outbreaks of the virus at schools. I've been told that based on those three things, he will make that determination over the next few weeks about whether uh, he wants a fall election. What I don't know is where is that barometer? Is it 140 cases every day? Is it hospitalization numbers that keep going up or do they have to go down? Is it just one outbreak in a school or is it multiple outbreaks? We just don't know those answers. But we know that the campaign is in full swing now. They are making plans for what an election campaign looks like. It will be very different than any other campaign we've ever seen. But but Horgan is ready to go to the electorate in the midst of a pandemic and ask the voters for what he will describe as a mandate, uh, but really is this majority government that he covets so that he can govern without having to rely on the support of the Greens. And is that the only reason? Because it, the government is working. It's not as though yeah. they aren't getting things done. They're not being. They're not coming up on roadblocks. It's working. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Is is he not concerned, or should there not be some concern that this could backfire and it's going to look at the power that to, to be boiled down to be the power grab that it is? Yeah. So I've been told by people inside the party that they are well aware of that. Uh, possible backlash and that they are so comfortable in their polling numbers that even a drop off of some support because of this uh, will still be okay. You know, it, it, this makes me think a lot of the federal election and the blackface pictures of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And in the campaign, he was criticized highly for this. But what a lot of voters said was, would I rather have a leader who did a number of racist things by wearing blackface or would I rather a leader in Andrew Scheer who in many cases would not condemn racist behavior of people within his own caucus. So I think the voter will think about this. Would I rather the leader who threw us into a pandemic election early as a power grab 
or do I want the guy who can do the best to govern us through this? And I think a lot of people based on the polls believe John Horgan is the one that can best govern us through this. And so the party may, the campaign may start in an interesting way, Jill, where the expectation is Horgan will not make any big announcements knowing that the media coverage over the few, first few days will all be about a pandemic election. And then the attempt will be to switch the channel and launch the platform a few days into the campaign. And again, no, banking on those numbers of COVID cases, COVID deaths, hospitalizations, possible outbreaks in schools uh, not going up. Right. And, and I think if those numbers continue to climb, Horgan will press pause on all of this conversation and they will get ready for what likely would be a spring election and the NDP putting together a budget for February. They are ready to continue to govern. And when Premier Horgan answers the questions that are posed, that's what he says. We're focused on governing. We're focused on managing the pandemic. And, and you know, he, he is he is honest in that assertion. But, you know, what is hidden behind all this is the context around that it would be he would be breaking his word by calling an election because the deal that was signed, the confidence and supply agreement that was signed in May of 2017 says that uh, there will not be, uh, he will not force an early election and, and he would be breaking that promise and he would have to live with that and how the electorate responds to that. And also there's just so many factors here too, Jill, like the coverage will be different. Mm -hmm. Less reporters will be able to travel with him due to the pandemic. There will not be big rallies. Less reporters will be able to attend events in person if they're allowed to attend events in person at all. Like all of these things hurt our democracy. And also like journalists like you and I are focused on giving people information about a pandemic, which we are still very much in the midst of. So it's hard to provide that information to the voter around an election while we're also all of us covering a pandemic at the same time. And just quickly, Richard, what is the timeline then? Because you said uh, expanding on a few days, but he can't put it really into the heart of what's also going to be cold and flu season. We can't go right. into Christmas. So it's not a huge window. No, short window. So I think they want to have the election before Halloween. And so the decision to run will have to take place right around that UBCM speech and maybe like a four day window up until sort of September 25th, 26th, and the election will have to be called before then. And I'm hearing it's going to be a 35-day campaign to allow for more advanced polling days rather than the typical 28-day period. And now you have Sonia Furstenau, who just was named the Green Party leader 20 minutes ago. She may be thrust into a campaign right as she's been elected as the new leader of the party. It's all quite crazy to me, Joe. All right. I'll continue following you on social media, and I'm sure we'll talk to you about this again. Richard, thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for being with us. Busy day. Uh, we are now learning that the major crime unit in New Westminster has been called in to investigate the Pier Fire. That is ongoing as people are still being asked to stay away from that part of New Westminster. Devastating fire to that new park. Uh, the new park, uh, as we heard from the mayor earlier, a part of that saved, but certainly some of the old structures there completely destroyed. Also coming up today, we are expecting to hear a bit more on what's 
that's going to be happening at Vancouver City Council as far as the special council meeting about housing and an announcement from the mayor happening this afternoon as well. Well, right now, let's talk a little bit more about some of the neighborhoods and residents who have been raising issues with council. And there certainly has been a level of frustration from some people. And Jamie McLaren joins me on the line now, a Strathcona resident, also a social justice lawyer who was tweeting uh, some photos in that neighborhood this past weekend. Jamie, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, hi, Joe. Happy to be here. Uh, I wanted to start to the, that pile of garbage that you tweeted out, and I know some other people have been tweeting it as well. Uh, it is not connected to, it is not from the camp in Strathcona Park, but it looks like a giant mess. Yeah, well, it's connected to the park, and so there's, there's Camp KT, which is a rather high-functioning and organized camp in the in the central area of the park, and so it's not part of that, but what's happened over recent weeks and months is that tents have popped up throughout the park, and so there's there's quite a bit of encampment around the edges of the park, and, and this is, and along one edge, there's a, a huge dumping of, of garbage, um, I think, uh, Two nights ago, and uh, I just walked by there an hour ago, and it's 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 all still there. It's been brushed into a bigger pile, I guess, but it's it's all still there. And and it's got to be frustrating for people that that's the whole reason of having uh, the the Vancouver Connect, uh, either the app or connecting to the city to try and get to that dealt with. Oh, very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know we're we're learning to to deal and to. Um, to you know, be neighborly with with the encampment. Um, but what I find particularly frustrating is the the amount of garbage uh, that's piling up and the lack of municipal response to the to the garbage and the safety issues. Um, so just recently, in the past couple of weeks, garbage bins, little public garbage bins, most of them have gone missing from the neighborhood. So if you have garbage to dispose of when walking around, whether it be a you know dog dog poo or, or whatever. You, you have to walk several blocks to find a, a garbage bin that's still around for it. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's really frustrating. Private garbage bins are being stolen as well. People don't have bins to put their garbage in anymore, many people. And, you know, it, it's, it's a real frustration. Um, just to give you a sense of what it's like to live in Strathcona these days, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to your, your front porch and you scan your property to see what's, what's still there. And, and if everything's still there, if all the... The patio furniture is still there. The the broom you use to sweep your front walk, or you know, even your plants and trees are all still there because there's been a fair amount of plant and tree theft lately. If it's all still there, then that's a good day here, you know. And it's um, this the the theft is the petty theft, the property theft is is much on the rise, and and we haven't seen any action to deal with it yet. And just to, to clarify on the garbage bins, because, I mean, that's an issue in so many parts of the city, a lack of garbage bins. But but these particular ones are being stolen? Yeah, and I, ostensibly, um, from what I can tell, to, you know, to, to be used in the park for a lack of uh, disposal bins there. You know, so it's, it's an unsupported encampment. And, and what many of us here are urging the city to do is to set up managed and supported camps in, in much smaller size and with much better services uh, where people can find, you know, community and, and, and well-being, um, at least until until more permanent options are available. So um, what I think is happening is that, that campers are, are taking the bins just to uh, have somewhere to put their garbage. And, and so, you know, litter is piling up in other places now. 
So the mayor today has a couple of things going on. One, we are expecting an announcement around 2.15, a housing announcement. And then that special council meeting uh, dealing with housing is going to be resuming today as well. What would you like to see? Well, I'd like to see uh, some some urgent action initiatives uh, announced and pursued. You know, it's... Um, there's uh, I think some councillors have stated that they'd like to see the, the federal government and provincial government do more uh, to, to address the situation. And, and then they're willing to wait on those levels of government to, uh, to take action. But the, the situation down here is, is really urgent, really critical, and, and no, it's to nobody's liking. Um, Strathcona is really you know, suffering um, as a consequence of the, the opioid crisis, the, the pandemic, obviously, and the, and the housing crisis, especially. And so um, I'd like to see, personally, I'd like to see the, some of the disaster relief shelters, a real diversity of shelters established to serve the very diverse needs of the campers here in, in Strathcona Park. It's, it's, you know, it's, it'll take a lot of consultation and a lot of assessing what the needs are here, here in Strathcona. And, um, but I think it's done right you know, the, we can we can really address this issue in an urgent fashion and and pursue more permanent housing solutions um, in the in the medium term. It's got to be difficult, though. And even talking to uh, Vancouver City Councillor uh, Sarah Kirby Young was on the show last week and saying, uh, because I asked, do we have any idea exactly who is living in the park in that there are people who are the most vulnerable? There are people who need housing. There are people who need medical help and health supports. Uh, her response was no, because there are also people who are very hostile that don't let others, don't let anybody of any kind of official capacity into the park to even try and find out that basic information yeah I think that's that's a real issue there's a certain amount of distrust and uh, well-placed distrust in times um, among the the population of Strathcona Park of the authorities you know it's not always been a, a positive history and uh, you know, of, of connection with those communities but um, but you know it's you know a good consultation and and, and good relationship building can happen um, it, it's a matter of, uh, of building trust and, and being very sensitive to the needs down there, I think. But yes, there, there are challenges in that regard, for sure. Are you concerned at all, kind of the whole kind of broken windows policy or, or way of thinking of things, that if the garbage is allowed to stay, if the, if the neighborhood is a neighborhood that becomes, the residents know that every morning when you get up, you have to check and see what's been stolen, what's been left behind. The longer those things become normalized, that it's going to be even more difficult to deal with it? Yes, absolutely. And that's why we're really frustrated that action wasn't taken a lot sooner. You know, we all, we all saw this coming. We, we learned many things from the Oppenheimer Park experience. You know, we know that these camps, if, if they grow to a certain size, become completely unmanageable. And, and that type of broken windows effect takes, takes, takes form, right? So, um, so that's the real frustration here is we've been, we've been telling, urging our politicians to act much sooner. And it's only now, hopefully today, that they're, they seem to be willing to take action. And how confident are you they will? Um, well, I know announcements coming, so you know they have to announce something. Uh, the devil's always in the details, of course, but um, you know it, it's, it's all about urgent action from our point of view, and and real sensitive action. And they have to determine the needs down there. There has to be a diversity of approaches. It's not just one type of approach. We we also learned that from Oppenheimer. You know, 
buying a hotel and, and filling it with unhoused residents isn't going to isn't going to work for everyone. So there has to be um, you know there has to be a diversity of solutions. And and the way you determine how how to you know go about that diversity is you talk to the people in in the camp and you consult with them and you understand their their life experiences and their needs. You know and then and you do something accordingly. So they, you know there has to be a certain amount of creativity and, and room for for uh, diversity here. Um, no one solution will, will fit all. No, and I, I don't think anybody would think that. There's got to be a, a certain level, though, too, when you talk about the different needs in the park and what we saw in Victoria, where RCMP busted a drug trafficking ring coming out of the park right outside of City Hall. Uh, people are sending me photos, sending me stories of crime in the park, of threatening, of the bike chop shop, of things happening in that camp. There's, is there a level of frustration that, that if even if we can't deal with the housing part of this right away, we could deal with the crime? Yeah, well, I think what happens is, you know, initially uh, unhoused people camp out in a park because they, they need to, they need to be somewhere. And, and what happens shortly thereafter is, is people begin to gravitate to that park uh, to prey on the situation, you know, to, to, um, to do illicit things, you know, um, and to, to sell drugs, to, to harbor stolen items and so forth. So a, a, a community that's not as, you know, um, as healthy, um, not healthy in any kind of way, uh, takes shape there. So I think that's, you know, that's a uh, predictable outcome for, for letting an encampment grow unsupported for this long. All right, Jamie, we'll leave it there while we wait and see what is coming down this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jill.